All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello and welcome again to Primitive Schoolheads Talk Horror Movies. Um, I'm here with my horror friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, you know, Andrew, uh, sometimes we all go a little mad. Sometimes. And that's our cheesy cool. horror quote for the day. Great, great. Uh, you did, you ever see the, uh, did you ever see the Vince Vaughn version of Psycho? No, I didn't. I, I heard it's like a shot-for-shot remake. Yes. So I didn't really find any need to, but... Yeah, in terms of, like, pointless remakes, that was definitely way, way up there. So, cool. Um, so, what we are is we are two friends who met over when we were both teaching ESL in Korea, and we get together pretty much every week to try and analyze and talk about whatever random horror movie kind of strikes our fancy at this time. Uh, we kind of bonded over our love of horror movies over there. Uh, currently, though, we are currently both on the East Coast on opposite ends, and one of us does CrossFit, and the other one does not. And I'll have you guess which one that is. Andrew, how's life been for you? Uh, it's been pretty good, man. You know, this, this week is uh, our vacation, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, so you have spring break the same time, too? Oh, yeah. It's, nice. It's great. It's nice. so good. Oh, it's, my God, I, yes. I visited Vermont. I bought, I bought like, $300 worth of, like, Vermont beer. Uh-huh. Uh, even though this is my dry month where I'm not drinking at all. Uh-huh. So I have a fridge full of beer now. <laughs> great. And you just you you open it up every so often, and you just kind of stare at it and sniff at it, it and then one day you're eventually going to crack, and yep. that will be um, a start of another horror movie we could talk about. Exactly. It'll, yeah. Like literally, like it's literally the entire half of my fridge is full of beer. It's ridiculous. Okay. So, question: If you were to become a horror movie serial killer, what would make you snap, and who would be your first victim? Hmm. Um, let me think. I don't know. That's probably like, I'm trying to think of like in horror movies, what typically makes them snap, like aside Uh from like murder and stuff, like, I don't know, maybe like somebody like shit talking to alien franchise a lot (laughs) and it would be like, I don't know, those people. I would, uh uh-huh. How about yourself? Uh, I would see myself as the beginning of Friday the 13th part 5, was it, with the chocolate bar? Was that part 6? That's part 5, yeah. Yeah, part 5. I would see myself as that, like I'm doing something, and then someone just really, really comes up and annoys me. And after seeing Shazam yesterday, I would assume it's probably some annoying theater goer, and that would be the first victim as well. So that's what I'm thinking. But I like we're both very tepid people. We're both very easygoing people. So it's just I don't know. I, I could see myself kind of being more of a Norman Bates type of thing where like I seem really nice on the surface, but then all of a sudden crazy I'm wearing a dress. Murder. Woohoo. That was nah. actually a, a trivia question last night. I went to trivia and one of them was like, What is Norman Bates's pastime? Uh, wearing dresses. Well, taxidermy. But somebody uh-huh. put down somebody put down cross dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Technically that is correct. That is the best yep. type of correct. All right, you know? cool. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. his mother's pastime, technically. He becomes her at that moment, so. It's not yeah. Like it's an identity yeah. switch. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Oh. But it wasn't really supernatural. He just kind of went crazy in that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, actually, I have a question for you, based yes. on trivia. Uh, right? No, I do not uh, cross-dress. Damn. Okay. Thought so. But here's my question for you. <laughs> yes. All right. What do you call a word that has 
or words have the same spelling, but different meanings and possibly different pronunciations? Uh, homophones. Wrong. What? So, technically it's a homograph. Okay. Because so, same spelling, homograph, yes. graph is writing. Um, homophones are same sound, different spellings. Like, yes. there, there, there. Uh, but at Trivia, the question, it was that question. And apparently everybody, um, everybody at my table and the people were like, oh, it's a homonym. But a homonym technically is one or is both of those things. It's like a blanket term for the two of those, homographs uh-huh. and homophones. And I was the only table, and I convinced our table to write down homograph. And, uh-huh. said, and then the, the person at Trivia was like, oh, it's a homonym. And then I had to be that dick who went up there and was like, actually, <laughs> you're wrong. You it's jerk. a homograph. Uh-huh. And she, like, didn't believe me at first, and I had to go look it up. It's like, half an hour looking up what a homograph was. And then came back later, and was like, okay. So you got points for that. Because uh, you're the only one who got that. Uh-huh. And I was like, good. But did you take points away from everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> because technically, it is not a homonym. Yeah. Uh, no, I remember when I used to run trivia back in the city we met in Korea. Um, mm. That would happen. That would pretty much be a weekly occurrence. Someone would come on up and say, actually, this is correct. And I remember one time whoever was making the PowerPoint for that day, like, just did it completely wrong and actually put the wrong answer up there. Oh. So we had, like, every single team come on up and say, wait a second, because it was a pretty easy question, too. And I just had to say over and over again, we know, we know, we'll correct it, you'll get your points, don't worry, god damn it, it was probably Danny, god damn it, Danny. It was Danny. It was Danny. Danny. I don't, yeah, because Danny, never Danny made probably listens to this, and... and she's like one of the few people who do, and she's just going to be so angry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, if you are listening, we miss you, and we need to talk about the patriarchy together sometime soon. And running, too, because I'm in the running now. Dude, I did my 10K last week. How was it? It was awesome. It was yeah. like storming at 5 a.m. and the race was like at 7 a.m. So I was like, oh, God damn it. Because I had drove up to Richmond, which is about a five-hour drive for me, and I didn't get in until like 11 o'clock at nights. And then I woke up at like 5 a.m. and it was like, oh, it's like really badly storming out there. But once we got up there, like it was raining, but like just enough to make me feel like a badass the whole way through. Oh, um, yeah. So that was really, really lovely, and it was good. But it's a really cool race. It's the Monument Avenue 10K. So basically there's this whole street in downtown Richmond that's just filled with a whole bunch of these statues dedicated to, like, you know, old racists and Confederate leaders and stuff like that. Um, So you just run down the street, which is about three miles, and then you run back, which is about three miles, and then you run a few blocks, and then the finish line is right there. Um, But it's one of the largest races, one of the largest 10Ks in the entire United States, apparently. There were, like, 30,000 people running, which is insane. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they had, like, 26 waves. It was was crazy, crazy, crazy. But it was fun. Did you get a medal for that one? I did get a medal for that one. Fuck you and your medals. I know. No, I specifically go out and only get the medals. So actually, that's what you do. I'm pissed. Yeah. Um, I actually did sign up for an organization called Paraguide here in my city. And basically what it is, is you run these races with disabled athletes, whether they're visually impaired or they have some sort of movement paralysis. Um, But basically you just help guide them through the race so they can participate as well. I kind of signed up for it, one, because I wanted to look for more stuff to volunteer for, and that seemed to ride up my alley. And two, I kind of wanted to sign up for it because the guides, they don't have to pay for races under ADA rules. But the caveat to that is I don't get to choose races with medals. Oh. I well, know. you know, welcome to my world. Yeah. I can't find, I have only found three races with medals, and they're always on place, like, on time, so I can't make them. Oh, jeez. Now, are you, like, what is, 
Yeah, we're just going to dwell into the running podcast, because honestly, I have no idea what the fuck to say about this movie. Um, so mm-hmm. what type of, like, distance are you usually good with? Like, I, when you're looking for these races, what are you looking for? Like, I'm looking for, like, five to ten miles. Is that what I'm mm-hmm. looking for, usually? Gotcha. But, like, like, five Ks here, you, you cannot find a medal. Anyone nowhere in here will give you a medal for a five K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generally, it's about ten, it's like ten miles you have to run for, to gotcha. find one. Which, gotcha. Or half marathons. Cool. Um, speaking of, so this is, I was running with another friend of mine who actually happens to be a coworker of mine for another race eventually. And then I found this out too. Um, one of my teaching coworkers, uh, fourth grade, he told me he likes to put on horror movie soundtracks while the kids are working. That's awesome. Yeah. So he was just like, yeah. So, you know, the other day I put in the up soundtrack and, uh, to get the kids to, you know, kind of get them all tense and to be working on them, make them nervous. So they work better on their independent work. And I was just like, dude, you're insane. I love you. That's awesome. I'm going to do the exact same thing. I like that. I'm going to so, try that out. Yeah. Cause usually I just do like orchestrated versions of pop songs, like for vitamin string quartet dude, and all that's of that. That's what I do. Yeah. And they, yeah. my kids always hate it. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, for April Fools, one of the things I did is I put the orchestrated version of 500 Miles um, and just put it on repeat over and over and over again and took, waited till they noticed. So, <laughs> yep. Awesome. yep, yep, yep. All but, right. Did you see us yet? I have not seen us yet. God it's, damn it. Yeah, I, it's literally on my agenda for tomorrow. I decided to see Shazam instead, and Shazam. I'm pretty happy with that decision. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I have mixed feelings on it overall, but uh, I enjoyed it. So. Well, maybe at the end we can have a brief Shazam talk. Yeah, our Shazam corner, where right every at the end of every single episode we just dedicate like 20 minutes to Shazam. Like, we don't talk about any other movie, we just talk about the same one over and over and over again. And then one time we'll switch up and talk about Kazam. Ooh. And I'm thinking probably about like around episode 20, we're going to be running real low on ideas, so we're just going to sink Shazam to the dark side of the moon and like talk about how well it syncs up. There we go. Uh-huh. That works. Or the wall. Oh, oh yeah. That too. All right. Oh, so, our movie for today is <laughs> definitely one of the weirder movies I've ever seen. And when I suggested this movie, I wasn't even thinking about what can we talk about this movie because, like, this... Oh, my God. Um, so, it's House, uh, or Hasu, by... Da-da-da, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Uh, Nobuhiko Obayashi, uh, who is a Japanese horror director, um, horror-slash-comedy director, and it was made in 1977, and it was actually his debut film. Now, he's gone on to have a pretty extensive directorial career, um, including, in 1983, the live-action version of The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which is one of your favorite animes, right? Wait, wait, which, 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 which year? Uh, 1983. Oh, yeah, damn, okay. I think I've seen yeah. that version. Yeah, it's a uh, 1983 Japanese science fiction film, and it's by the same director based on the novel by the same name. I think I actually have seen that version, and it makes a lot of sense, all the weird fucking like, visuals. <laughs> Good it. stuff, yeah. So that's our dude right here. Um, and I just kind of want to talk a little bit about the background information about this film right here. But before we do that, um, Andrew, what did you think of House? Just like a hot take. Um, 
I did not like my notes are literally like every like five notes is just what the fuck's going on. Yes. <laughs> like I did not know what was happening and like the names weren't helping me at uh-huh. all. <laughs> like I didn't I couldn't tell like if sometimes if like just the, the subtitles I was watching were just wrong. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they were. I think it was just really weird. I I, I could I tried to tell my friend last night what it was about and I couldn't. <laughs> I just like couldn't explain to him what was happening in the movie. <laughs> Like, I think, like, the, the the most base definition I can give is, like, some girls go to a house and they die, disappear, like, <laughs> and there's, like, an eventual aunt. Like, it's, I I don't know what this movie's about, and I kept, I kept trying to find meaning in it, uh-huh. and I, I couldn't. And there's yeah. a Criterion collection of it and stuff, so there's all this, like, apparently has a lot of praise. Yeah. But I, I don't know it. I don't, I, I feel like I'm missing something. So... Give, uh, you're not missing anything. It's really, there isn't any deeper meaning to it. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy movie. I actually came across it. Someone just on some message board I went to back when I was in high school linked to a YouTube link of the piano scene from later on in the movie. And I remember I saw that and I actually got like physically ill. Like I actually had a physical reaction to this scene of this crazy, crazy movie. And and then it's just kind of laid by the wayside for a while. But then every so often, someone would make mention to it somewhere on a message board somewhere, or one of my other horror friends would mention it, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I should probably see it one of these days. And I did, and it was just as crazy as I remembered. Um, well, at least based on the YouTube stuff right there. But what I didn't expect is how comedic it was, too. Like, Wikipedia listed it as a horror comedy slash fantasy. And you know what? I think the comedy and the fantasy aspects of it are pretty prevalent in this yeah. one. Uh, it's It definitely does not take itself seriously at all. And it's very... It's like a nightmare. Like, it doesn't make sense. Everything is just random things. Um, all of that. So, here's a little bit of background information about how the movie came to be. Um, So, apparently, (laughs) it was inspired by Jaws. I don't know how. Um, Because, like like you said, basically, uh, the plot to the movie is a group of girls get together, Japanese schoolgirls. They get together, and one of them, gorgeous, her aunt has this mansion in this small tiny town and they decide to go spend their summer break there and when they get there they realize that the aunt is kind of all messed up and she's not all she is to seem to be weird stuff starts happening they get freaked out weirder star stuff's happening and then all of them just kind of get eaten and swallowed up by the house in some vengeful way by the very very ends um yeah, so it, it's basically at its core just to take on your typical haunted house horror story. But yeah, so it starts off, um, Toho, the uh, Godzilla company, decided to make this film. Um, and the director actually discussed ideas with his preteen daughter who basically said, you know what, why don't you make a horror movie from the eyes of a child where stuff can't be explained and mm. that's where a lot of the stuff, like the watermelon turning into a severed head and biting the girl on the butts and, you know, all of this weird stuff that's happening and there actually came from these discussions with his preteen daughter. So it was, 
Oh, yeah. If, if you look at if you look at the story, actually on Wikipedia, it says the story is actually by his daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so she has like writing credits then. I, I didn't see that, but in the development section, it does say that he discussed the ideas back and forth. So they kind of, I guess, tag team that together. Um, yeah. And then there's also a lot of other little childhood fears too. Like there's one scene where someone gets eaten up by futons or disappeared <laughs> by the futons falling on her. That was actually his daughter's fear. Um, oh. And then the large clock at the home and then getting the fingers caught between the piano keys. Those were all these childhood fears that have gone over. Yeah. Um, apparently, also, you know, there's a little bit of uh, layover from the war as well. One of the subplots involving the aunt deals with her fiancé never coming back from World War II hmm. and how the atomic bomb affected the whole country. And that doesn't really have much of a vehicle besides these weird flashback scenes or the fact that that's one of the reasons why the ant became a vengeful spirit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's that. Actually, so should we, should we just start going through the movie kind of like... Well, I want to get a little bit more on the background information before right. we get into that too. So mm-hmm. apparently like no one, after the script was written, no one wanted to direct it because they were so convinced that it was going to end their career. They, every, <laughs> every Japanese director looked at this film and they're like, yeah, we're not doing it. It's going to completely just mess up my career. Um, you find someone else. This movie's way, way too weird. So it didn't start filming until two years after. And then eventually Obayashi, the guy who helped pen the script as well, decided to make a short film and then based on that, also his television work and his commercial work as well, eventually he decided, you know what, I'll go ahead, I'll make it myself. And all of the actors in this um, were actually not really actors. They mostly worked on commercials and like small, weird, independent films. So like huh. none of the acting is very good in this movie, honestly. Even though it is a Japanese film and, you know, we don't, neither of us speak the language despite our best efforts watching anime in high school, um, it's all over the place. So, but that kind of adds the real, the surrealism of them all. And then apparently, too, Mr. Togo, who's one of the characters, is a, was, or was a very popular country music singer in Japan in the 70s. Huh. And they met because the director um, liked to horseback ride. And so did this country center. And they decided to work on the movie together. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, a couple other tidbits from pre-production right there. Uh, the Everyone thought that the script was incomprehensible, which after seeing the movie, I am very much inclined to agree. Yep, yep. And uh, another interesting tidbit, too, is one of the actresses has a nude scene in the movie. And she was really, really tepid about it so another one of the actresses just said you know what i'll take my clothes off too on sets so you can not be as uncomfortable and the director liked it so much he was just like hey you know what we'll add a nude scene for you too which was not in the original script <laughs> oh so was that was that the professor or is that gorgeous uh that was gorgeous and the professor was the one who came on over and she added the other nude scene and i believe that's near the end of the movie where they're both swimming in the water yeah uh-huh yep all right so that's pretty much it um it was kind of just an incomprehensible script based on childhood fears that no one wanted to touch for about two years and then eventually it came out the reception it actually kind of bombed initially and no one really understood it 
And then eventually people started talking about this weird, crazy Japanese movie. And it's kind of a cult hits at this point. Like, I know for a fact, every so often, the someone posts a YouTube link about, hey, let's check out this crazy piano scene or this crazy cat barfing blood scene. Um, and that'll be that. Um, and then a really interesting part, too. And this is a connection you're going to love, Andrew. So this movie inspired a Super Nintendo game, or a regular Nintendo game called Sweet Home. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Yes. And what did Sweet Home inspire? Sweet Home inspired... I'm not sure. What did Sweet Home inspire? (laughs) Sweet Home was one of the very first um, survival horror games. Hmm. And uh, Shinji Mikami uh, said that Sweet Home was a direct inspiration for the original Resident Evil. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but I thought I'd be wrong. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you are absolutely 100% correct. Okay. So basically, without this movie, we wouldn't have the inspiration for Resident Evil. Good. Yes, which is fucking ridiculous. So uh, let's go ahead to the plot, and I'm going to warn our listeners right now, this is a very hard movie to describe. <laughs> so we're going to try our best here, but let's go for it. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, so Andrew, you want to start us off? Uh, sure. All right. Um, yeah. So we get this really interesting, like, 70s sitcom music to start off the movie, and we get our mm-hmm. little title card of House, which yeah. uh, I believe the O is like a mouth that eats something, and then it opens up, and there's an eye inside of it. It spits out a hand, actually. Oh, there it spits out a hand. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so which which, we, which <laughs> makes sense later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of get our first scene, which I'm, I think... Okay, Gorgeous and Fantasy, I kept getting mixed up throughout the entire movie. Yes. But mm-hmm. I believe Gorgeous is dressed as a witch doing, like, a little fake thing in their science room, like a little video while Fantasy takes a picture of her, or takes a video of her. Yes. I think what's happening. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where you learn their names. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a, apparently these are their nicknames, but that's all we ever I, call them, so... Yeah, I, I, I have no idea, honestly. It, I, I just like to think the director said, you know what, names, we don't care about them, let's just assign them their primary character traits, and we'll just run with it. It'll make it easier for the audience, because they're going to need all their brain power to figure out the rest of the movie. And uh, thank you, Mr. What's-your-name-again. But yes, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it, that uh-huh. way we knew everything about them. Um, yep. So they, they, you know, they're doing this, and they're talking about how it's their summer break. So they, uh, they leave, and they run to their teacher, mm-hmm. who has this really awkward discussion about, like, how the teacher's having arranged marriage. Yeah. And it's just Which... kind of, it makes sense later, but it's kind of awkward. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, I mean, that is a very common thing in Asian culture as... You know, we both lived in Korea, and I remember my co-teacher over in Korea, she went on two blind dates a week, and they were all set up by her mother, and the pressure to get married was just enormous for her. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, in terms of, like, legally, obviously, it wasn't forced, but there was enormous cultural pressure to date someone who your parents set you up with or arranged for you. So, yeah. Which is, yeah. like, an awkward conversation in the uh-huh. movie, but... Yeah. Like an, which, I, I think, given the theme we learn later, kind of the ending... It makes sense why they're throwing that in there, but it, it felt mm-hmm. without that it would have just been really weird. Um, yeah, yeah. So then we kind of get this weird montage of the girls running around, mm-hmm. like, and I think that we get a lot of these in the movie. We get weird little montages where they kind of like rotoscope or like fade something into something else, and like, oh, they love their fading. Yeah, there's oh. a lot of really interesting scenes, and mm-hmm. and my notes at that time is I was wondering if these girls were like a thing, if they were like. Yeah. Involved, like I know that you know that there's like that skin ship and stuff, and kind of like the close relationships in other cultures. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they're like, holding hands and dancing along at one point, and yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a very interesting. I think it's just to be supposed to be kind of you know youthful, 
mm-hmm. UD and whatnot. Yeah. But it was it was a little, I would agree. A little awkward. Um, I would agree with that. Can we take a second to like just actually sit down and talk about the cinematography in this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, the most schizophrenic cinematography oh, yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, uh, there's stuff rotoscoped in. There's green screen effects. There's weird fades back and forth. There's so many jump cuts. Um, it's it, it, schizophrenic is the best way to describe it. It is not afraid of like including cartoon skeletons in there and miscellaneous points, and then real like science lab skeletons that just kind of are propped up and start dancing around. It's ah, uh, it's ridiculous. Well, like, we'll I- talk. I uh-huh. kind of felt like if that like if that like because it was supposed to be like a kids movie sometimes like yeah like but then there's nudity in it so it can't be a kids movie like yeah I, maybe I, it can be I don't know yeah I I think what they were going for is definitely just this surreal fantasy aspect of it like I I, I genuinely don't think that they were set out to make a horror movie I think they set out more to make a fantasy movie because there's there's no way you can take this movie seriously it's it's just way too ridiculous yeah that's true uh huh yeah. But anyway, what happens next? Uh, so the girls... Actually, did you understand what was going on with their trip? They were going on some sort of a training trip, I guess. No. They, they kept talking about how, like, how I think Gorgeous is going on a training trip or something. And I couldn't figure out what the trip was originally, where they were supposed to go. Because they end up going to the aunt's place. Mm-hmm. But the teacher is supposed to be taking them on a trip somewhere. Um, comes... I just know that Gorgeous is supposed to be going on a summer vacation somewhere with her father, who had just gotten back from Italy. But other than that, no. I don't know. It's not super important to the rest of the movie, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Because like, what's, what's Togo's... What's, what's the teacher's deal, then? Um, he... What's his name? Has a crush on him. But, like, he's coming Fair. after them. Like, he's... He's supposed to supervise them on this trip, but he wouldn't supervise them on a trip to the aunt's house. That would be kind of weird. Yeah. Like, what's the training? That, like, I, I did not understand what was happening. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. No, I, you, are, you are not allowed on this one either. Okay. Sorry. I'm just, uh-huh. it, I tried to look it up. I, I couldn't find anything. <laughs> like, it just says that they go, they go to the house. He has to go to the aunt's mm-hmm. house, but I don't know why they come along with her. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so anyway, they they yeah. go home uh, and um, we get to see Gorgeous's house, which by that I mean we get to see a pane of glass uh, and then a balcony behind it, and we never get to see the actual house itself. Which is obviously an indoor set. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And like I, yeah. at first I liked it because I was like, oh man, look at this cool way they're filming through like the through the glass panes. Yeah. I tried to like you know look into symbolism about when they're together in a pane versus when they're apart, and then mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, they just didn't want to build a set. Uh, <laughs> So um, she comes home and her dad's like, yo, uh, I just got married to this woman. Here's your stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, justifiably probably kind of pisses uh, Gorgeous off, makes her feel awkward because her mom's been dead for eight years. And she's like, uh, should we have talked about this? What's going on? Who's this Ryoko chick? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that happens. And so she goes to her room, sadly, mm-hmm. which she does have, even though it doesn't yeah. like she does at first. Um and she writes a letter to her aunt, who I guess she hasn't seen since her mother's death. Yeah. Um, and she's like, hey, can I come stay with you instead? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, her aunt's like, For yeah, whatever this trip is, yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. But I, she never asks if her friends can come. I don't know what's happening with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually we get in there, and then I, I guess it's inferred that they're all sitting around and... 
Yeah, there's the scene outside the school where they're all sitting down, and you know, um, but Melody is playing, or what's her name? Not Melody. Is it Melody? I can't remember. Yeah, Melody is playing the guitar, and they're all moving around, going back and forth, and doing their own stuff. Um, and then they basically say at one point, "Hey, instead of having whatever this trip is going at this training camp, quote unquote, uh, we should go ahead to Ant's house instead." And that's kind of what they talk about. Yeah. And then Mr. Togo was in here, too. And I guess this is the point where they just kind of invite Mr. Togo to come along, too. And Mr. Togo is the famous country singer. Uh, he's the uh, probably the most famous actor in this entire movie. But, yeah, so they all decide to head on over to Ant's house. And I guess they invite Mr. Togo along because doesn't uh, Fantasy have a huge, huge crush on Gorgeous, too? She does, but I think he was supposed to be their faculty advisor to go on whatever, where the hell they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So, mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just like a bonding trip for their team and they could have gone anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they never specify what the training is, so the training could be how to survive a house that's filling up with blood. I don't know. There we go. You know, I didn't have that elective in high school, but I it was a very small high school, so... <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah. yeah. So, they, uh, so they, they wake up, uh, they go out, and we... Uh, see that um, she has this cat, this white cat named Blanche. Oh, God, that fucking cat. Um, who you know, <laughs> hangs out with her, um, or Gorgeous does. Um, yeah. So anyway, in the morning, they all get up, and they uh, go to the train station. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blanche is there. Blanche somehow is on the train already, this cat. Um, mm-hmm. So all the girls get on there, um, and we find out that Togo apparently overslept, and then fell down some stairs, and spun around in circle. He, like, fell downstairs, got his butt caught in a bucket, and then spun around on, on the, like, in the middle of the road on his bucket. Okay. I'm sorry, I have to set up this scene, because this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. So, we start out the scene um, where they it's had this business called Shoemaker, that's literally what's on the screen in this, like, green and yellow paints shoemaker and then there's the shoemaker sitting outside doing their shoemaking thing but they're swaying back and forth to the music saying hello it's basically goddamn sesame street up in here it's wonderful togo comes on out togo's like oh man what an amazing day hello upstairs neighbor starts walking on down the stairs and uh blanche comes on over and blanche just kind of goes back and forth togo Falls down the stairs, but he basically crab walks his way down, um, <laughs> and then falls into a bucket, and then spends the stop motion bit of him just spinning around doing this no scope seven twenty over and over. He's like crawling across the floor, and he at one point basically calls a phone and says, "Yeah, I don't think I need to. I don't think it's anything serious, but I need to take this bucket to a hospital." <laughs> Meanwhile, the girl from the shoe place is like tapping his butt with a. Yes! With a hammer? Oh, actually, fun fact, the, the girl yeah. with the shoe thing, that is actually the director's daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool. And then the shoemakers are both swaying back and forth. Yep. <laughs> so that's that. So we cut back to the train station where the girls are like, where's Togo? I don't know. Where's Gorgeous? I don't know. And they eventually find her on the train platform, just kind of waiting for them, and they all get on the train. They talk about the cat for a little bit, and then this is the part where they go back into the flashback scene that, about World War Two, right? That was so weird, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, this whole mm-hmm. well, like it, it kind of reminded me of like, um, do you remember in It's Wonderful Life when God's talking with Clarence and he's like, "Yes, let's look at what George Bailey's life was like," and they, yes. they watch it, and like Clarence is making little comments like, "Who's that? Oh, what's going on here?" 
Oh my it, god, that is the perfect analogy. Yes, it was, it was uh-huh. that. Like they, these, these yeah. gr- this like gorgeous starts telling the story, and then all the girls are suddenly watching a film and commenting on it. Like, oh look, he's cute. Oh look at that. Ha ha ha. There she is. Like, yeah. No, it's it's a flashback scene about what happened to Gorgeous's mom, aunt, and uh, potential uh, uncle uh, before he died in the war. And yeah, the George Bailey—that's a perfect, perfect metaphor for exactly what happens there because they're all commenting, they're all discussing as this flashback is playing on the screen. They're like, oh, she's making a promise. Oh, he's so handsome. Oh, you poor ants. Oh, yeah. I really love that. I really thought it was the perfect amount of absurdity for this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and so like in in that flashback, like we yeah, so we learn we learn the ant. Uh, aunt was going to get married, had a uh-huh. husband who was in World War Two, and then he got shot down in an airplane. Yes. And did you see, like, I, see, like, I couldn't tell, because there are two guys in the airplane. One of them gets shot and falls forward. The other one just looks so nonplussed as the airplane just goes down. He's just like, yep, this is happening, and just, like, <laughs> just runs, like flies off. And I think that's supposed to be the husband. Uh-huh. And he's just... That he, makes sense. He looks like he doesn't even know what the fuck's going on. He looks like he didn't know they were filming, and they just started, <laughs> and he's just, like, staring off, like, thinking about something he has to do. Like... <laughs> It was the most unconcerned reaction to being blown out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, at that point right there. I just love the line that occurs a couple seconds after that, where they have a quick little shot of the atomic bomb, and one of the girls goes, Oh, it looks like cotton candy! <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, wait, actually. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so, yeah, so, so they're in that, and they're on their way to the train. But I'm actually going to rewind yeah. a little bit really quick. Go for it. Uh, I, I don't remember, because I wrote this down um, earlier. Uh, about, do you remember the scene when the, so we first learned that, um, what's her name? Gorgeous's father's getting married and we meet, uh, yes. Ryoko or whatever the, yes. uh, aunt's name is or the new uh-huh. wife's name is. And yeah. she has that weird fucking scarf. Yeah. She, and like, she comes, yeah, she comes into the frame and like, it's billowing in the wind. Like it's basically a fashion model shots of her coming on in. She looks vaguely angelic. And it's always, what, what's, sorry. what's with the scarf? Well, like. Do you remember, because like, I think, like, does that scarf have any significance? Because it's always billowing, and then, like, at one point she drops it off the window, and then there's this weird cut where we have, like, Gorgeous running away, and then the image of the scarf on the right side of the screen, like, floating around, and it just kind of, like, it comes back, like, multiple times throughout the movie. Hmm. So I, I thought we should talk about it now, because I'm sure we'll talk about it again later when it appears later. Um, the scarf is always billowing and going nowhere. Just Ooh. like this movie. Oh my god, symbolism. <laughs> symbolism. You know, it's not pretentious if you're actively uh, acknowledging it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, this movie's weird. All right, so, so yeah, um, no, it's all good. So we're back on the train, we're back on the bus, uh, we get our little flash- flashback about what exactly happened to the ants, and they are in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. They are absolutely in the middle of outskirts Tokyo. This is... Uh, this is the tiny town from Kimigawa, just completely out of nowhere. Uh, we still got the cat going around, yep. which is wonderful. And they they're crossing bridges, they're hiking, they're they're having a great time. Um, <laughs> my favorite part occurs about twenty minutes into the movie, where they do this like mm. montage of all the girls saying their character trait as they're crossing the bridge, like. Wow, this is so pretty, Professor says. So many trees, Sweet says. Oh, I'm so scared, Kung Fu says. I feel energized. And I guess let's take this part to talk about all of these characters. <laughs> okay. So, 
these six girls, uh, kind of the rain leader is Gorgeous, who is obviously the pretty one. Mm-hmm. Then we have Kung Fu, who spends the entire movie kicking doors and kicking books. Uh, we have Professor, who's the smart one. We have Fantasy, who's kind of the dreamer of the group. Mm-hmm. We have Mac, who's kind of the comic relief slash chubby one. And then we have Melody, who's the um, da, 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 who's the musical inclined one. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we get, we get, like, the great introduction to them, like, back at the school, where they're all just, like, basically standing there. You see Melody has a guitar in her hand. She doesn't know how to play. Uh, yep. Professor has a book. Kung Fu karate chops a ball that flies in front of her head. Yes. Uh, Fantasy just looking off to the side. Gorgeous putting on makeup. And it's just, like, yes. all of them and their character attributes just oh, yeah. shoved in your face. Let's keep it simple, guys. That's how, That works for me. I, great job, director. You know, I feel really uh, bad for Mac, though, because Mac is not a fat character, but they keep calling her fat. I'm like, geez, yeah. you dicks. Yeah, uh-huh. way to be so sensitive. And, and once again, fixed. that's uh, something you know. When we both live in Korea, it's just a very matter of fact of culture over there. Like if you're chubby, if you're fat, they're going to tell you it straight to their face, and they don't mean anything mean by it. They just say that, oh, you have blue eyes. Oh, you have brown hair. Oh, you're fat. That's just kind of how culturally it is, especially back in the '70s when this movie was filmed. So, mm. yeah. Uh, so we meet watermelon salesman. Um, <laughs> And I love watermelon salesmen because literally there's just a stand of watermelons and they lift one up and his head is right behind it. And he's just kind of staring over. <laughs> I, I, again, I don't understand what, what, what the fuck he is. <laughs> he is just watermelon salesman. He leads a simple life selling watermelons and he tells them a little bit about the lady or the ants. Um, and that's pretty much all he does. And he is weird. He's like a little bit tense. He's moving back and forth. It's ridiculous. Well, like nobody, like dude, none of the girls, like in this movie, a bunch of weird shit happens, and the girls never respond. Like, holy fuck! <laughs> like, yeah, nobody's like, this watermelon salesman is fucking insane. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. all right, like he's cool. We're good. Well, the girls are pretty fucking insane too, so it all works out. That's true. <laughs> it's very. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like. It actually makes me think a little bit like Pokemon. Uh-huh. Like the kids are just so innocent, or just like, "Oh, cool, let's go do this." Like, "Oh man, what's this Team Rocket?" But you know, slightly disguised wants me to like come into this dark room with them. Okay, it's just like I'm going to go ahead and infiltrate a innocence. criminal. Yep, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and infiltrate a uh, you know mafia organization and go up and march on up to the uh, leader and kick his ass. Yeah, it's. God, you are you are killing it with the metaphors today, or no. the uh, the parallels today. No, Pokemon, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that's no a great way to put it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they open up to the doors of this mansion, and uh, Ant comes on up, and she's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and Ant is kind of, she's this sullen, oh, hello, welcome to the house. I've been waiting for you. Um, like clearly from the very first seconds, you think, all right, she's going to be the villain. She's going to be the one that captures them all and forces them to do crazy stuff. Um, but that's how it goes. Well, and, and the house is like all uh-huh. overgrown and nat and like nasty and stuff. Like, yeah. And I think when, when they're waiting for the door to open, I, you think there's one thing where this like bird just like flies down and like crashes yes. into, into like the side of like yes. off screen and one girl kind of looks at it like. It, like, it happens, and you wait, like, two beats, and the girl looks and goes, what the fuck, like, basically? And nobody else looks at it. <laughs> and it's such a taxidermy bird. Yeah. Like, it's so fake-looking. Like, it's literally just someone took a stick and just kind of 
put it on off the board and they've released it, erased the stick in post production or something. But oh man, it's so uh-huh. I, I, I can tell like, did it just like die or was like, <laughs> like what was it supposed to be in the movie? Because I think only Melody saw it and she was like, what? But even her it took like a minute after it went by the screen for her to look at it. Yep. It was just- <laughs> Uh, yeah, so at this point, too, one of the girls decides to take a picture of everyone, and the cat, who is now on the ant's lap, lap, gives a little green sparkle in its eyes, and all of a sudden the camera just flies up into the air and crashes on the ground. And it's this very awkward cut, um, like pretty much everything else in this movie, uh, but the camera shatters all over. And Ant says, oh, don't look so sad. I'm really happy you all came here to visit. I'm so sorry about your camera, though. Ah, oh, it's weird. Yeah, I, there's some, I have so many questions. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. And I don't think we can have answers. Like, okay, so when the camera scene happens, and I'm not going to dwell on this for every single scene because we would be here all day and you got to get the CrossFit. Hmm. But literally, when the girls reach down for the camera um, after it crashes on the floor... They repeat the same scene, the same shot, three different times of them reaching down. It's like a one-second shot. That's like a constant they, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And they, like, zoom in every single time. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. It's, it's weird. It's dramatic broken glass, man. There's also, like, a bunch of broken glass on the floor. And I'm just like, no fucking way that came from that camera. <laughs> like, yes. there's, there's, it's like somebody shattered like, a fucking beer bottle and then, like, put the camera on top of it. And I was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so anyway, so they, then they they go into the um they go into the house. The grandma's like, "Let's go in," and she is like, "Come, chandelier, like light for my children or something." She talks to the chandelier, and uh-huh. the chandelier goes apeshit and starts like <laughs> shooting down little glass spikes. And like one of them like shoots down into a nick a newt and kills it, uh-huh. and the other one like that the one just flies away. And then karate or no kung fu one kung of the fu. girls jumps up and like kicks it and like kicks one of the spikes into the phone receiver. <laughs> And I guess like, that shuts it perfect up. Perfect dead on shot. Oh, and the cat and at then, one point like flies across to you. Yes. And then Mac just goes, Oh, you're so cool, Kung Fu. You're the best Kung Fu. Which is what everyone says this time. I'm pretty sure everyone has a crush yes. on Kung Fu. She's definitely best girl. Oh yeah. Yeah, she is definitely, definitely best girl. Uh and, yeah. When you see after that, I think Melody like looks down and says, like, Oh look, the cat's eating in the newt. <laughs> Like, it's this gross, old, creepy house, and the girls are just like, this is so cool! Yeah! And, like, at one point, one of the girls is like, hey, old lady, what happened to your leg? And she's like, don't worry, I have you now. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question at all, but okay! <laughs> that doesn't answer the question, it's really fucking creepy, what's going on? Like, wait, did you think she was a vampire? Uh, okay. No. But I'm interested in your ideas and wish to subscribe to your newsletter. I just assumed that she was Vampire. because she wouldn't let because the cat stopped them taking a picture of her, ah, and then she is like, uh-huh. you know, I don't like. I thought figured she's old and she's like drink their blood or something. So she's like, you know, I don't have you know I can't my legs now, but like you know once I drink your blood, I'll you know mm-hmm. get it from you. And I assumed that's what's happening. She was kind of like energy vampire or something, but apparently fucking not. She's just weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I definitely in the fact that hey, she wants something from these girls. It doesn't want any proof. Um, doesn't want any loose ends. I got that impression. But vampire? Uh, not so sure about that. You no, know, we never see her out but in the yeah. sun. That's right. That's very, very right. Ooh. She's ooh, a super ooh, ooh. vampire. Super vampire. An old vampire. Oh, yeah. Japanese vampires. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, 
the auntie, they all go into the house, and Melody finds the piano, and when they're gathered all around the piano, we get a little bit more back information about the story and the village, about how the aunt used to be a piano teacher, but she doesn't teach anymore um, for reasons, and how she doesn't get many visitors anymore. So, what happens after that is they decide to go into the kitchen and get some food. But the aunt has a really tender moment where she's just like, Oh, I have you girls now. You can help me out. I don't work in the kitchen too much. But they all decide to kind of join an auntie and help on out. And that'll be that. Yep. Yep. So, they take the watermelon out into the well to cool it down. Mm-hmm. Um and at one point, oh, the mouse, yeah. Um, they open up a door and a whole bunch of mice just kind of leap out and crawl all over the girls. And they are so nonplussed about it. They're just like, oh, it's just a mouse. As the mouse is like dangling on one of them. Yep. They're, yeah. they, these, these girls just do not care. Like nothing, like until the very end, like they're not scared at all of all this weird shit that's going on. Yeah. Um, and so... At one point, I can't remember when this happens, um, but they're, um, wait, what? Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead right now. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so the girl, we get a little montage of the girls cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, um, uh, Mac goes to get the watermelon. Uh, mm-hmm. After Grandma makes some weird comment about how Mac looks delicious. Um, yeah. It's like, oh, you look, you know, I could just eat you up. You look so big and round. And once again, Mac is not... Fat. She's not at all. She's like she has, yes. she maybe has like a like a flat face, like a round face, uh-huh. but her body like not like she's not a fat character. Um, yeah. And again, like, the girls are just dicks. But uh, so Matt yeah. goes to do that, and after a while, she doesn't come back. Uh, so I assuming it's gorgeous. Again, I don't know who these characters are half the time. Uh, uh-huh. Goes to go find her, um, and she can't mm-hmm. find her. So she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll pull up a watermelon myself. Who knows? Maybe Mac went for a walk. So mm-hmm. uh, she pulls up the watermelon and. Uh, is looking at the sunrise as she does and doesn't notice that she's pulled a head out of the uh, the well. And this head is Mac's head, and it kind of floats up in the air. Um, uh-huh. And I don't quite remember how this happens, but uh, she turns around, or I think uh, Gorgeous turns around to run away, and Mac yeah. bites her butt. Yep. And then kind of rubs her head against her butt. Yep. Uh, and then Mac goes, tasty! And then she vomits up blood. Yep. And then so she runs away. Uh, and then... <laughs> And she runs back. She's like, "Guys, guys, Max's head was crazy." Or blah, 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 blah. So I think uh, now the girls kind of like, you know, like, "Oh, you crazy!" And they uh, mm-hmm. go back with her uh, and look around. Yeah. They can't find her, so they decide just to uh, eat the watermelon by themselves because they assume that Mac went over to the local farm to get potatoes because she loves potatoes. And this is one of my favorite parts of the movie too, where the aunt actually stands up at this point, and they're just like, "Wait, aunt, you can walk? Yes, because you girls are here. Don't worry about it." Yep. <laughs> Oh, what was, um, there's another great Aladdin dialogue somewhere in there, where they're saying, there was a head, there was a head. What do you mean a head? Like, a human head. Like, on the body? No, a decapitated <laughs> human head. Like, they really specify on it, and it's just, oh, oh, Melody goes, yes, a head. Everyone has one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this yeah. is so ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, and so then later on, we see them actually eating the watermelon, um, mm-hmm. and... I think they imply that the watermelon is actually her head. Because mm-hmm. at one point we see the watermelon kind of zoomed in on it. It's kind of rocking back and forth. Um, yeah. And we get the scene of the mu- uh, aunt eating the watermelon. And as she does, she kind of opens her mouth and winks at Gorgeous and reveals like, uh-huh. the, he, an eyeball in her mouth. 
Yes, which, oh my god, I love that shot. Like, that is, this movie is hilarious, and I didn't find it scary at all. But that eyeball shot, that is a good creepy shot. Yeah, it's a little, uh... uh uh-huh. But, like... It's unnerving. It, well, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, again, like, I couldn't tell, like, so is she, like, just, is she letting Gorgeous know? Like, what, like what's, what is the grand, <laughs> what is the aunt thinking in, at this moment? Where she's like, I'm gonna show this girl the, the, that, like, I'm eating, I have this eye in my mouth, like... And Gorgeous doesn't comment on it. She's not like, what the fuck? She's like, all right, uh-huh. cool, cool. Yep, yep. Uh, so dinner is over, and the girls are just kind of all helping clean up around the house, and Gorgeous decides to take a bath. And we have a very much uh, Junan the Grudge scene where parts of her hair just kind of come on the back out of the water and start to grab her shoulder. But the second she turns around, they retreat back into the water. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, meanwhile, yeah. at this point, we kind of cut to Sweet, right? Mm-hmm. So in Sweet, we set, kind of see her looking around for bedding. So she's... Sweet is wearing, like, basically a maid's outfit. And she's yeah. uh, cleaning up with an apron. And she uh, goes into a room that has all the bedding uh, for it. Yeah. And so she finds this weird kind of creepy doll that's there mm-hmm. that kind of starts calling her name. And we kind of get this a lot where girls have their names called by random things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sweet goes in there and the door closes behind her after the cat's kind of eyes glow and then the doll's eyes glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we cut back to uh, Kung Fu. <laughs> and Kung Fu is out by the well, and Kung Fu is gathering wood, and the wood just starts flying at her like full-on poltergeist. <laughs> um, and she just does what Kung Fu does best, and she just karate chops and kicks every single thing of it. And then after the words, once again, she's just standing there so nonplussed about the fact that there's literal hauntings going around around her, crosses her arms and goes... This is ridiculous. I can't believe, like, in a way of her saying, I can't believe that I can't even gather firewood without being bothered by all these supernatural things and goings on and happenings. She actually says, like, maybe it was an illusion. Yes. (laughs) After she, like, physically punches and kicks a bunch of wood. (laughs) Oh, yeah, these girls are as dense as the Black Star that we just took a picture of the other day. Topical. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So then, yes, yeah, so after that, we go and the girls are like, oh, we can't find Sweet anywhere. Um, and we get this weird scene of the grandmother, uh, like the aunt, sorry, dancing. Uh-huh. And it's really yes. fucking weird because she, like, dances around and then, like, goes into the fridge, like, opens the door and sneaks into the fridge. And Gorgeous sees this happening. Uh, uh-huh. And then she kind of disappears and then appears on top of the rafters and dancing around. And then yeah. she's dancing with the skeleton that, uh, this, like, you know, science skeleton that she has. Yeah, it's literally like a skeleton you would see in a science grade, seventh grade lab. And it goes on for like it's, five minutes uh-huh. of her just dancing around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can I take a second right now to just kind of talk and say how much I love the actress for the ants? <laughs> like, she kills it in this role. I mean, it's, it's terrible acting, but it's. Oh, God. She plays the part so well. She's clearly enjoying exactly what's going on there. Um,. I mean, who else could pull off the scene right after she enters the fridge and when she's dancing with the skeleton where she's eating a hands and then she also takes a bite out of a goldfish and then sticks it in a uh, glass and then the goldfish starts swimming around and comes back animated. It's, yeah, I, I absolutely love the ant character in this one. Yeah, she's, she's fun. Confusing, yeah. but fun. Yes. Um, and then actually at one point, um, the cat is meowing along to the music. Do you do you remember? Do you yes. notice that? Like, the music kind of <laughs> dancing on the, the dancing on the piano too. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like what is? It's like I feel like everybody should see this movie just to be really confused. 
Yeah, that main theme motif. The do 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 do. Except in this case, it goes meow 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 meow. Uh yeah. Fucking blank. This movie is a this movie is a visual treat. It, it, I love it really it. is. Uh-huh. Um. um. So then we get to the mirror scene with Gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Gorgeous. Uh, goes back up to her bedroom. I think it's it her is her aunt's room. Oh, yeah, her aunt's room. And there's this kind of makeup station in the corner. And that's when Gorgeous sees the picture of her dead almost uncle um, in his military getup. And she's just like, oh, man, it's so sad that that happens. And then she starts listening to a music box in her aunt's room and then just kind of starts brushing her hair. And... um. It's spliced with another scene of Melody sitting back down at the piano again and starts playing the main theme on the piano and just really, really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And did you notice that this scene, the skeleton, is in the background? And it's not like a, you know, ooh, the strangers, he was standing there the whole time staring at her. No, the skeleton literally has his hands up in the air and he's just kind of dancing around creepy, spooky, scary to skeleton style. He does that the rest of the movie. It's just... yeah. I feel like the, they, they made that effect and they just loved it so much they couldn't not do it in every scene. Yeah, uh, so you're saying they found the, the skeleton very humorous is what you're saying. Yeah. Humorous. Yeah, I'll get out, get out of here. Fuck, get out of here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and yeah. so uh, as, no, not as Melody, as Gorgeous is doing all this, her, like, she starts, like, putting on makeup and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, again, the that weird scarf appears in the mirror, like, in, in the reflection gets replaced by that scarf lying in front of, like, a tree, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Just kind of flying there again and I don't, don't know what it means. Um, but then that kind of cuts to her mother appearing because she puts on the makeup and kind of looks like her mother. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I guess neither her mother... Yeah, it has to be her mother, not her young girl. It has to be the mother. Um, yeah. And the mother at one point, again, to hide this vampire thing, has fangs at one point in the mirror. Mm. And again, I was like, so is she a vampire? Like, I thought like the mother might appear or something, but nope, that doesn't... No yeah. comes back. <laughs> um, and so then Gores looks kind of looks kind of like shocked. And then the cat's green eyes, the cat is behind her and like its eyes... Shatter, blink, and the mirror shatters, and the mother starts bleeding mm-hmm. within the reflection, and then the mirror yeah. starts bleeding, <laughs> which is yeah. And this is another one. I every single time this movie does this, um, I, I absolutely love it. The scene when a character is looking in the mirror, and then the mirror just freezes, and then you're like, oh shit, there's something behind. Oh god. Um, like, did you ever play Silent Hill three? Was that the room? Uh, no, Silent Hill four was the room. What was three? Oh, it was three... Three with Heather Mason. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember the scene in the hospital where you go in and there's this one room where there's this Florida ceiling mirror, and then what happens is all of a sudden, slowly, it's like this whole big three-minute scene where you're going to this room, you're locked in the door, all that's all that's in the room is a gurney in the middle, and then a Florida ceiling mirror on the other end. And then all of a sudden, you notice on the other side of the mirror, just like blood starts to seep down the walls and across the sides. And then eventually the mirror world just completely gets taken over. And then the blood affects your character on the other side of the mirror. And then that character just freezes in place, even though you're free to move around. And then the blood comes back to your side through the reflection. And oh my God, that was such a good scene. But that's kind of what this uh, scene reminded me of, where the reflection pauses on the other end, bleeding starts, and then just crazy stuff starts happening. Um, and this is another part, too, where if we go back and we think to ourselves, okay, well, 
who was who wrote this movie basically it was co-written by a child and i just can imagine the dialogue that happened between the two all right honey what are you scared of vampires what else half-eaten goldfish and skeletons okay do you think we should be consistent no we should also have a cat that vomits blood and then the girl's face should fall apart like a mirror like a broken mirror okay honey it makes a lot more sense that way yeah well and so yeah so as the mirror breaks apart we see gorgeous's face kind of break apart and again at this point Uh i thought gorgeous our main character so i'm like what's gonna happen here and i guess she kind of is her main character but I don't really know mm. if there's a main character in this movie at the end. Um, I mean, and so her face I kind of breaks apart, mm-hmm. and there's this like kind of glowing orangey rotoscoped uh, silhouette that replaces her. Uh huh. Um, and then I think we hop back down to Melody, who, while this is happening, the key she's playing starts flashing. Skeleton still jamming in the background. Oh, yeah. And Melody doesn't <laughs> notice this as the cat like, uh-huh. points at them again. They start even glowing even more. Uh, yeah. And so then we cut back to Sweet who is still in that room, who, like, we, we, we assumed at this point that she was, like, dead or something because the kids were looking for her and couldn't find her. But, nope, she's still in there yeah. looking around <laughs> for, uh, for bedding or staring at mm-hmm. the doll. And then, uh, at this point, feathers start falling from the sky um, and something starts to happen but then we hear Melody playing on the piano start to scream. And then we hear Sweet mm-hmm. scream again. Uh, and we're just like, all right, let's take our crises one at a time. You deal with that. You deal with that. Let's go. Yeah, that's really what, what uh, happens. Too. Like, yeah, they just go back and yeah. forth. They're like, all right, let's go here. Now let's go here. <laughs> um, and so while Melody's screaming, uh, betting, like futons start attacking Sweet, just like falling on her mm-hmm. and yep. they're destroying her. These, she's getting her ass kicked by these pillows and shit. Again, that's what the director's daughter said she was scared <laughs> of. So, okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> well, and so, and while this is happening, we hear Melody scream. So you think, oh shit, what's gonna happen to Melody? Uh, uh-huh. and we cut to Melody and she's like, oh, I just cut my finger. And so they get her banded. <laughs> um, so, uh, then at this point that gorgeous finds all them and it's like guys guys something's going on. I'm not no it's not gorgeous i guess it has this fantasy my notes are wrong fantasy finds mm-hmm. them because i don't know who is who uh and she's like guys we gotta go find sweet we can't find her anywhere so they they run away leaving melody back at, at the with the uh, piano and so uh-huh. they, look, they look for her can't find her um and uh the best part is mm-hmm. are you gonna talk about the clothing you, oh do you want to do that part <laughs> go for it it was just so awkward like they go in there and they were just like oh her apron's here and then it was like, okay, so, you know, she disappeared. Okay, that's fine. Oh, her bra's here. Oh, her dress is here. Oh, her underwear's here. Like, they go through every single article of clothing that she was wearing, and then she was like, this is this, this is that. And then, oh, yeah, Kung Fu comes up behind after they find the cat, and they're like, hey, I found her panties, <laughs> and then just tosses it over in Professor's face as Professor's holding the cat. Oh, well, it's weird. Yeah, well, then they, then they find that doll with like her little head on it, or the little yeah thing on it. And again, like, again, like you know, it, it's a movie, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously these are, these are good, but I feel like you'd, you'd be a little concerned, like with all the yeah, they're like, oh, she just went to the bathroom or something like that. <laughs> um, and so while this is happening, they hear another scream going on. So they, Melody's screaming again, or, you know, calling or, mm-hmm. calling their name, and they're like, all right, fantasy, you go get her. Like we're dealing with this shit. Uh, so she runs back over, and she's looking around, and we see a hand pop out of a closet. And Melody's like, I need toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> like, Melody, Melody's, like, getting attacked is tea so much in this. Like, uh-huh. they're just like, we're just like well, when's it going to happen? Come on. Um, yes. <laughs> and then I think from this, then we get, uh, so then they're talking, and, uh, like, the girls are talking, and they're like, oh, man, what's going to happen? I don't know. Melody's disappeared. Uh-huh. And I think it's, they're just like, don't worry. 
Togo Sensei will be here soon. Men will fix this. Men solve the problem. <laughs> it's like literally like the And then words. that's that's when we get the fantasy scene with him riding on the horse. Yep. And that's the she's one. In like a princess yeah. dress, and he's in like a like a I don't know, like a king's uniform. Yeah, and mm-hmm. riding yeah. on a horse. It's <laughs> it's so weird. And again, like this is condoned. Like this movie condones this like young girl having a fantasy about this like really old guy. Like it's. <laughs> Our, like, our teacher, yeah. It's really kind of That's, like, ugh, interesting kind of like cultural thing uh-huh. to be like, that this like is just okay. <laughs> like maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's not supposed to be, but it, I never get the impression that they're condemning uh, it. Maybe once again, this was apparently written by a preteen daughter, so. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. I have some questions. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I don't remember exactly what spurs it, mm-hmm. but this is the part where they decide they're going to call the police. So at this point, um, uh, they... Um, I think it's because well, it's because Melody, not Melody, uh, Sweet and Mac are both missing. So they're like, uh-huh. "Oh crap, we gotta go find, we gotta go do something." So Gorgeous oh, yeah. at this point comes down. They're, they wonder where Gorgeous mm-hmm. is. They can't find her, and then she appears, and she's yes. like, "Oh hey guys, like I got this." So Gorgeous gets on mm-hmm. the phone, and uh, as she picks up the phone, she just hears like boys and girls screaming for help on the phone, mm-hmm. but just kind of ignores it. It's like, "Oh whatever, phone doesn't work," because at this point she's like possessed. Uh-huh. Um, so she's the gorgeous, like, yo guys, don't worry. You stay here. I'm going to leave and go get the police. So yes. she goes outside, locks the door behind her. And the girl's like, mm-hmm. kind of wait a couple of seconds and are just like, oh no, that was wrong. <laughs> we don't trust her anymore. <laughs> so they try to get out of, they try to leave and they like run, but all the doors kind of, uh, the house start closing, locking them in so they can't leave. Yeah. Um, and then this, the cinematography in this scene is they basically slow it down, like in slow motion or they like cut every other frame out because it, it's very disjointed, um, and everything's just kind of this Blair Witch, Witch shaky cam, but it's in slow motion as well. Uh, but then they like, it, it seems like they cut every other frame rate. The frame rate is just extremely, extremely low at this point, mm-hmm. and I just I don't quite get why. But I couldn't tell. There they are. I couldn't tell like if it was just like the version I was watching or something at first. No, it's literally the same thing on mine too. Because it it speeds up and it gets better um the very next scene. Huh. So and they said one cut of yeah. it and they couldn't like do anything with it? Maybe they wanted to like, you know, specify, okay, this is the, the these girls are feeling unstable at this point. This is when they finally start taking it seriously, and that's kinda their way of conveying that. So once again, very interesting cinematography in this movie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it, it they tend to shotgun ideas on this one, mm-hmm. and not all of them hit. Nope. But when it, at the very least, it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, like, and I, I feel uh-huh. like that's why this movie's known. I think this movie's known for like it's kind of what's like the experimental style of it. I feel like. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why people like it and why it has yeah. uh, fame, I guess. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, all the windows and doors shut as the girls try and get out, and they are fully realized and trapped inside the house or hausu. And for once, mm-hmm. uh, Kung Fu cannot keep the doors open. She's weak yeah. against doors. She she kicks yeah. it and tries really hard and can't do it. Damn. Um, and then we cut back to Mr. Togo, who is on the highway, uh, <laughs> right in front of a Japanese hair metal band um, who's completely decked out in their truck, and he's just like, sorry, I'm in traffic, and that's that. Well, the other one get there is that the guy, the metal band guy, is like, what are you doing with your toy car? Get out of here. And it's like, <laughs> as if like him moving would somehow move traffic. Yes. Like, what? <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was happening there, but, <laughs> yep, so Togo's still useless. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So yeah, uh, so the girls are trapped inside, and they're just like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then one of them comes up with the idea, hey, Melody, why don't you play the piano? It'll make us feel better. Mm -hmm. So Melody starts playing, and then this is the scene that made me feel like really physically sick for the first time I saw it. Um, uh, Before that happens, uh, Kung Fu and someone else decides to move on out, and then they find, was that, it was gorgeous in the wedding dress. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of on there looking all creepy and like clearly possessed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a pretty good shot of when she turns around in the dark and, you know, focuses on her face and she's got that um, geisha look on her. It, it's really good. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Melody um, starts playing the piano and the keys start flashing again and she just cannot pull herself away um, from these keys. And what happens is just so many things. I got to go through the second by second. I got the movie pulled up right now. So first off, skeletons dance in the background. Spooky, scary skeletons doing his skeleton stuff. And the cover starts to slam onto her fingers and just completely chops off all of her fingers. Melody raises her hands, looks at both of them and goes, my fingers are gone. Like in that exact tone, like, she seems more surprised than anything. Like, oh, interesting. My fingers are gone. Um, and I think it's one of the other girls. I think it's uh, da, 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 fantasy is standing by the fishbowl. And then she crosses her eyes for some reason. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be comedic kind of like because she's sick or something. Yeah. Um, but the piano takes off another chuck of her arm, and then that's when Melody really starts to get freaked out. And then the piano just completely eats her. Um, and there's this crazy scene where she's stuck inside the piano. Her legs are kicking all over. Her body parts are dancing all over. She's, you know, reaching up, and her hands are caught in the piano wire. And, oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah, this scene almost made me throw up the first time I saw it back in high school. <laughs> I mean, it's... A crazy thing that there's a whole bunch of flashing lights happening at this time. At one point, an arm just flies off and lands in the fishbowl. And uh, the the piano kids are just being smashed back and forth. Um, It's this whole crazy rhythm. uh, Camera zooming in and out. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And you get the impression sometimes Uh, that, that, like, sometimes she seems in pain. Sometimes she seems kind of happy, Melody. Like, at one point, her body, you kind of get discombobulated body. of Like, I think you see her and her navel and then make a leg floating in the air. Like, her head, her navel, Mm -hmm. and her head. Or in her leg. Yeah. And, and she's kind of smiling and point, laughing. Yeah. Her head looks down at the rest of her body parts. And I'm like, oh, my. That's naughty. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I, I I guess I kind of took the impression that that was the house's way of possessing her. Just like Gorgeous tended to be uh, change personality after she gets uh, possessed. At that point, Melody is fully possessed. And she's just kind of breaking back and forth. So that's All it. Right. So we go back to Professor and Kung Fu, and Professor's going, this doesn't make any sense. And Kung Fu's like, what other doors can I kick? (laughs) But Kung Fu comes across a clock, and she sees Sweet inside the clock. And Sweet starts to bleed a little bit, and blood starts running down the clock. Um, And Kung Fu is really, really upset because Sweet thought she was so cool. And she's like, Who's going to tell me I'm cool anymore? Oh, man. Mm -hmm. So they see that. um, They head on down, back to the piano. Melody is completely gone at this point. Fantasy is lying on the floor after witnessing Melody's death. And the three girls kind of pick each other up and figure it out. 
Uh, Melody's fingers are still playing the keys. Yep. That's interesting. Just floating disembodied fingers. And they all move to kind of the main room with the, these tatami mats. Um, and is that how you say it? Yeah, tatami? Uh, yeah. And they basically just try and wake fantasy up at this point. Um, do, 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 do. And we come across Noodle Guy oh, yeah. with Mr. Togo. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's weird. Like, so, yeah, so, so we get a so we cut to Togo and he's um, kind of in like a little ramen shop. At stock. Listeners, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listeners, at this point, the movie just complete like we this describing the movie up into this point has been our Sistine Chapel. But this is the point when I just there's going to be so many points where we're just going to be like. Yeah, yeah, my, that happens. My notes just sorry, you really can't. <laughs> yes, like so. Yeah, so we see Togo. He's he pulls he, he pulls uh-huh. up to one of those like little ramen kind of joints like, on the side of the road. Yeah, um, and he just starts eating ramen. Uh, and there's like a is it a dog? It's a bear. It, there's like a bear there. There's a bear ramen, <laughs> and nobody questions. Him. One of the workers is a bear, and he's just standing there, and he's wearing a chef's uniform, and he's just like, I'm a bear. I'm gonna serve you ramen, and nobody questions it. Everyone just eats their ramen and leaves. We don't even know where the fuck he is. He's just eating ramen. <laughs> yeah. So they go back to the house. The girls decide to barricade the staircase uh, for reasons, because they're on the first floor, and the ghost can just hop on over the railing, but whatever. Um, and Professor finds a diary of the ants, and she learns the ant's ultimate plan where the aunt is basically obsessed with her husband coming back from the war. And to sustain herself, because she's a vengeful spirit, she needs to feed on the energy of these girls coming on through. And that's exactly what's happening. So, yeah. 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 Um, Gorgeous uh, comes on out. She's a massive disembodied head at this point, and she kind of comes through the main door and says, yeah, you girls are fucked. And then we all die, and her little eye comes out through the door. It's this really creepy rotoscoping thing. And this is where all shit breaks loose. I, yeah. Um, it gets all poltergeisty. Stuff starts flying all over the place. Kung Fu decides to Kung Fu a whole bunch of stuff. There's a picture of Blanche the cat on the wall. Kung Fu kicks the cat. And the cat starts bleeding. Um... And then the room just starts filling up with blood. Oh, I think it's got to skip down a little bit there. Uh, yeah, I at this point, time has no meaning for yeah, me. So, so, I, so, yeah, so yeah. all the stuff uh-huh. starts flying around. Um, Kung Fu tries yeah. to run and calls the police, but starts getting strangled by the uh, by the phone. And then she runs mm-hmm. back in. Um, Togo, and we kind of cut to Togo, who is lost again. Um, mm-hmm. So he doesn't know where he's going. Um, and so Kung Fu actually starts wrestling with... Uh, What's her name? Gorgeous. With, uh, gorgeous. Yeah. So she's like fighting her. Like, yeah. like they like run outside and start fighting each other. And like they're like yeah. karate, they're like kung fuing and like while she's in the wedding dress and stuff, just fighting and like rolling around on the ground. And at one point, the cat mm-hmm. like hops in and starts fighting. Um, yes. Yes. And oh, so God. when kung fu then realizes that the painting is actually like what's powering this, um, she goes to jump and kick it. But as she does, the cat magics a lamp or like a what do you call it, like a, sh- a lampshade to fall on her head, and it yeah. starts, like, mm-hmm. eating her. Um, mm-hmm. So Kung Fu, unfortunately, succumbs to the eating thing, but her legs continue to fly forward after her, like, torso gets cut off and yep. destroy the cat painting, like, kick it open. Um, yep. So that's when the cat's pointing, starts 
bleeding and like mm-hmm. uh, gorgeous. We kind of cut the gorgeous. He's like melting a little bit. Like I feel like some of the makeup's like melting off her or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she basically she's wearing this brilliant white wedding dress, and then she just started bleeding all over. Like someone called an artery in her neck or something. Um, it's a cool visual. Like it's spooky as hell, but. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. weird. And, um, and then, then that's when, like, the cat, and that's when, like, the, the room starts filling up with blood. Uh, yes. Um, well, Kung Fu's legs go into a cabinet, and the cabinet door is closed. It's very, very weird. So it's all good. I, mean, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yep. So then we cut back to our buddy Togo. Uh, and Togo's still mm-hmm. lost, and he um, finds the melon guy. And the melon guy is still a fucking creep. And he's like, mm-hmm. Have you seen them? And he's like, They're all eaten. And so the guy's like, "All right, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave." And as he gets to leave, the melon guy asks him if he likes melon, and and uh, Togo goes, "No, I like bananas," which <laughs> automatically kills the melon guy. The melon guy just like flashes, and you see a skeleton, and his body just collapses and disappears. And, yep. And then his skull floats up in the air. Yeah. And this causes <laughs> Togo to have like, it seems like a heart attack, and he falls in the car and kind of passes out, uh-huh. and then we cut away from him. Well, he. He's shouting out, bananas, bananas everywhere. And then there's another shot where basically they just boomerang that shit, where he basically touches his head over and over and over again. It's weird. So, yeah, we cut back to our two final girls at this point, Fantasy and Professor. professor, And they're basically floating on this tatami mat um, in this river of blood in this room as it's slowly filling up. And... One of the uh, girls, or Professor, um, has her glasses fall off. So she starts reaching for it because she needs to read this diary to figure out exactly how to prevent, how to stop all this from happening. And I couldn't tell what drag's turn. Is it a piggy bank? Is yeah, it a it, it, it's can? a piggy bank. It's a piggy bank. A piggy bank with fangs um, grabs her hand and pulls her into the pool of blood. Um, and then that's when Professor gets possessed, and she kind of bobs her head up and down with this huge smile. Oh, she's completely naked at this point too, and that and she's just like that made me really uncomfortable because hmm? I I don't yeah. know I, like I I looked up the actress was like twenty something, but I was just like oh god like this is like uh-huh. it felt like a child, and I was just like I yeah like I <laughs> I did not want to I didn't need to see her naked that didn't need to be in the movie, and now I know that why she did yeah. it that I was just like oh that oh I like yeah. I had to like look away it, it, I couldn't I couldn't take it yeah I felt gross. And it's interesting because the gorgeous naked shot is only occurs at the end of the movie, and basically just her top comes down, and that's it. And that's another thing that just could not be in the movie. But this one, this is full frontal nudity for like a really long time, and this was the one that the director basically just said, "Oh, you're okay with being naked? Okay, sure, I'll include that scene in there for you." Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's I, weird. I didn't need that. That I would have yeah, been fine. I with agree. Um, but yes, I. Agree. So then she gets dissolved. Mm-hmm. Actually, my notes say, like, awkward naked girl, question mark? Please tell me this is legal. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yep. it, was, it was really awkward. Like, it's... Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. yeah, so she, she dissolves in the blood, and after she's gone, uh-huh. uh, Fantasy's floating in the middle of the, you know, on her tummy mat, and uh, uh-huh. she's, like, defeated, morally defeated, just, like, fuck yep. this. Um, and so, uh, Gorgeous comes down the stairs, still in her, her, like, in her little wedding garb. I think she's taken off the headdress at this point. Um, yep. And, uh... Fantasy kind of, you know, comes over to her, or floats over to her, and as she does, we see the reflection in the water of Gorgeous, and we are 100% confirmed that the aunt has possessed her, because we see the aunt's reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, again, not really necessary, but uh, Fantasy, you know, at this point is giving up and is happy to see her friend uh, mm-hmm. that she, you know, bonded with so much in the beginning of the movie. So she just kind of crawls up onto her, and in doing so, just, like, rips open her shirt. 
and mm-hmm. it's really awkward. And yeah. so she just kind of falls asleep on her boob. Yep. And then as the camera does a slow zoom on her nipple, her nipple starts to like glow green. Oh, I'm sorry, not nipple, eyes. Her <laughs> eyes start like, to glow green. <laughs> yeah, no, her eyes start to glow green. It was like, okay, yeah, we get it. And then we kind of get to our final scene in the movie where we have Ryoko, um, Gorgeous's new mother-in-law, pulling up to the house. Stepmother. Which, stepmother, yes, uh-huh. Um, yeah, stepmother pulling up to the house. Her scarf is once again billowing in the wind along with everything else. And she heads on in to, oh my God, I totally didn't catch this the first time through. Do you know what happened to Mr. Togo? I do. It's in my notes. I'm surprised you, you were going to skip over it. I was waiting for you to tell me. I cannot it. believe, I, I, I guess I must have been on my phone at that time. Okay, you tell me exactly what happens to Mr. Togo. All right, well, so she drives up, um, but unfortunately she can't make it all the way to the house because... Uh, the car is bl- the pathway is blocked by two cars, or by the by mm-hmm. the cart with the watermelons and a car that's in parked in front of it. And so she kind of walks over, looks around, um, and she walks by the car and decides she's going to go huff it on foot the rest of the way. And as she passes the car, you notice that the car is filled with bananas, and they are in the shape <laughs> of a human. Like it's everywhere, but also there's a large pile in the face of the human with a hat on it. And we learn that, or we assume that Mr. Togo turned into a pile of bananas. He's gone bananas. Yep. I can't believe I missed that. I must have that must have been the time when like my cat was jumping up on me or was glancing at my phone or something like that. Well, it's also fine if you missed it. No, she doesn't react at all. Yeah, <laughs> she's even like, pick one for the road. She's like, "All right, like bananas. All right, whatever." Uh huh. Um, and this is getting in my notes where I, where I say, "What the fuck is happening? What is this? What does it mean?" <laughs> um, and so then we just get her like walking through the forest, and it's this really weird scene of her like happily. Wa- it kind of reminds me of um, the ending to. Carrie, where uh, Sue is like walking around at the end, kind of all happy in like a little daydream, you know, mm-hmm. just like happily, like the sun's shining, everything's great. Um, mm-hmm. And she just has this blissful walk around. She walks into the house, uh, can't get in, so she goes around the back and she finds Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go from there? Yeah, and Gorgeous basically just says, Oh, um, you know, we're here, and, you know, I'm so glad you're here. All of the friends are here. Thank you for coming. They'll wake up soon. They'll be here, and they'll be hungry. And then the stepmom is just like, oh, okay, sure. And then Ryoko catches on fire. Yep. They, they shake hands. Yep. They, they shake hands awkwardly. And then yeah, Ryoko, like, from her neck up, just lights on fire. And then we go into this weird dancing montage of the credits where all the girls are just kind of cheery going back and forth. And that is house. Yep. What the fuck? Well, we we could gain this theme of marriage and like, I get it. Cause you know, like there's mm-hmm. the mother dies. So then, and then there's mm-hmm. the remarriage, which sends her back there. And then, so I guess like at the end, the aunt and grit and, uh, what's her name are both angry. The aunt and, uh, gorgeous are both angry at the stepmother because she symbolizes the marriage the aunt couldn't have, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. It's also somebody yeah. in the rejection of her mother. I guess maybe. Yeah. But my biggest thing is just like, what did the mo- what did the stepmom do? She didn't do anything. She, yeah, she, I mean, a nice she's a vengeful spirit, but like, yeah, like genuine... uh-huh. it's like uh, Pierce Brosnan and um, Miss Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Like it's you know that guy did fine. He wasn't a bad guy at all, but he's made out to be the villain. But I, I guess this is a horror slash comedy or whatever it is but yeah it's weird yeah, it was, weird, weird, it was weird. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know what to talk, like, what to think about this movie. Like, like I feel like this episode's going to be really boring for anybody who's listening to it, because, like, uh-huh. there's, nothing to, like, there's everything and nothing to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's also a very visual movie as well. Like, there really aren't too many themes to impart on here, as far as I can tell. Aside from the fact that uh, it's, once again, a child's sense of fear. I think I want to go ahead when I'm going to look at, watch it next time, whenever that is, preferably with a group of friends and a whole bottle of tequila, is I feel if you look at this from a child's perspective and you think, what are the types of things that a child is scared of? And like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, there would be the creepy basement in my grandma's house and I would never, ever, ever, ever want to go down there. And I remember sometimes the door would be open and I would walk right past it and I'd be like, Ooh, good. What's down there? And it could be a creepy cat that fills up the entire thing with blood. Um, (laughs) little stuff like that. Um, it's whimsical would be a good way to describe this movie too. Like, I really, I don't consider it a 100% horror. It's definitely intentionally comedic at times. It's definitely very, very fantasy at times. It's it's very unique for what it is. And I would recommend it just for the visual spectacle alone, but definitely watch a few scenes on YouTube first just to get an idea of what you're getting into. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. And just like, yeah, don't expect anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that'll make it worse. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good stuff uh let's see uh one of the reviews the austin chronicle gave house a mixed review saying it's not a very good film to recommend but as an experience that's a whole other story and then they also said it plays like a retarded hybrid of rocky horror and whispering corridors <laughs> i can see that yeah i haven't seen whispering corridors yeah. but i like i like the uh Rocky Horror thing. Yeah, like, well, and, when I, and I like, I like, I like the, the idea that it's not something you'd recommend, but it's an experience. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's just so I don't. <laughs> I literally have nothing to say. Like, yeah. I, it's a weird. It, movie. it almost it, it almost kind of feels like like a child's version of Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. It's just so like random and over the top, like, especially Evil Dead Two, just like with random shit happening. Yeah, like, yeah, it, like it's it's almost kind of like like I wonder like, is this like the Japanese Gremlins kind of, or it's like that kids horror movie that kids can kind of get into and watch, but like, uh-huh. you know, like all like obviously mm-hmm. more confusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The only other closing comment I have on this movie is, oh my god, that cat poster that Kung Fu kicks at the very end with its teeth wide <laughs> open and the huge yellow eyes. God, that picture is freaky as hell. And they used it on the poster for yeah. everything. So well, uh-huh. they have like few, they have a few different versions of it too. There's a lot of different paintings. Like it, it changes a lot throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the the way the the poster changes. And like that also makes me wonder. Like, is Blanche the source of the power? Is Blanche like some demon cat? Did Blanche <laughs> get imbued with the power? Like, I'm curious mm-hmm. if, there, if there is any like Japanese like mythos about like you know some kind of cat demon that enables this to occur, and that's why destroying mm-hmm. the cat messes things up. You know. Yeah, um, in a child's mind, probably. So, catch up. All right. Well, any closing thoughts on Halsu? I... No, I don't. <laughs> like <laughs> watching this movie was such a chore, and I don't mean that like it wasn't like it was yeah. good. Like I think if I was just enjoying it and not trying to figure out what was going on, take notes, I would have enjoyed it a yeah. lot more. So I think drinking it, drinking while watching it, maybe watching it high, could be really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. 
No, I definitely want to watch this with a group of friends that just have no idea what they're getting into and just, like, getting their reactions more than anything else. But as a serious, analytical, hey, these are the themes of the movie. This is what the movie's about. Yeah, no, you don't stop right there. That's a rabbit hole you do not want to go down. I, I just remember I had, I had friends back in college that in my film program. And they would buy all the Criterion collections just because they're the Criterion collections. Like, it's obviously a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worth having. You know, it's Criterion collection. Yeah. And I just wonder if they bought this movie. Because that, that's like <laughs> the only version you can find out of the Criterion collection. I bet they own it. And I'm just uh-huh. wondering, have they seen it? And if so, like, <laughs> do, they, do they regret their decision to buy every Criterion collection? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this is not winning any more than anything. So I, I, I would actually be curious to watch, like, because, you know, the Criterion collection comes with all like, the background and stuff. I'd be curious to see what's going on mm-hmm. like, see that see if they have director commentary and stuff like that might be actually that yeah. would make it worth watching just to see him be like mm-hmm. and this is when i decided fuck it here's an arm and like toss it over <laughs> like oh yeah that, that that's oh a man bird i, I was really high on this day <laughs> oh man yeah like oh my daughter wanted to hit something in the butt so i gave her this little thing and told her to go hit the guy's butt with it it was great <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't know yeah it's it, it's definitely a very fun movie in my opinion but yeah, it's weird. See, it is weird, weird. And I actually originally thought we were doing like, the 1986 movie House. So I was, so uh-huh. I started watching that, and I paused, and I was like, wait, you said this was our Asian horror. <laughs> so, uh, that may have been a better movie. Uh, it started out pretty good. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. We can do that next time. I haven't done that one yet. So, all right, cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, next time, hopefully, we'll hit an episode that has a little bit more meat that we can actually stick on to and analyze. Uh, but definitely, if you're into weird Asian horror, check out House. At the very least, check out a couple YouTube stuff on that one right there, especially the piano scene. And hopefully, it doesn't make you as physically sick as it did me when I saw it back when I was 16 or so. Um, this has been Printer Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. Thank you very much to our opening band, Teddy's Atlas, for the use of their theme song, Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn, and I believe they have a new album coming out soon. I I remember, I remember looking at that. You know, I want to support our good Canadian boys right here, so I'm just going to go ahead and do that real quick. Because they have been so good to us. We talked back and forth, and I said, hey, can we use your song? And he said, dude, absolutely. And then he came on back and said, hey, man, did you ever launch that com- that, uh, launch that podcast? And I was like, yeah, we did. Whoa. And now he's like, you've made an episode yeah, in two weeks. Yeah, we did. Fuck? Mm-hmm. My, actually, my, my buddy listening uh, to the podcast actually asked us. He's like, did you, did you stop? Where, where did it go? Okay, so who's your buddy? Uh, Brooke. Brooke. This one's for you, Brooke. Okay? We're dedicating this episode to you, uh-huh. Brooke. Yeah, uh, definitely listen to the album Live at the Convenience Store, which is actually what I'm going to do right now after we finish this up. That is the new album by Teddy's Atlas. So, go ahead. Alrighty. So, Andrew, do we have anything in the pipeline for our next movie? Uh, not intentionally, yet. Okay. Yeah, we have a couple ideas, I believe, but we don't have anything 100%. I have, like, a list somewhere, and that's that. Alright, cool. So, we'll get back to you later. Um, thanks okay, for listening. I guess. You guys rock. Bye.